Look how the stars turn on Look how the stars turn on Welcome to episode 25 of the Press Box. I'm Craig Colgan, and once again, I'm joined by local journalist James Rogers. In this week's episode, we'll look back on last Thursday's 2-1 Europa Conference League defeat to Vitesse Arnhem in Tala, and Sunday's 1-0 loss to Derry City in the league. We'll also look ahead to Friday's loud derby against Strata United, when 500 fans will be back in Oreo Park for the first time. So, Jim, it's uh, a bit of a moral victory last Thursday, uh, the kind of nearly there, but just kind of didn't make it over the line. I, I don't know about you, but I don't know how kind of we didn't get a second one in the net on the night anyway. Yeah, look, it's, um, look, it was a great display in the end. Um, you know, hard not to have a bit of pride. I know you don't want moral victories, but I think it's one of them that maybe over the two legs, when you factor in, you were a minute away from a win over there. And again, it were cheap enough goals given to Vitesse um, and then probably just didn't have the cutting edge in the second half that, you know, it, it definitely warranted more than one goal at, in Tala last week. And I think it's one of them probably along the lines of Rosenberg's 2017 that, you, that you know, you reflect back on in years to come and say that one got away. We should be in, you know, playing Anderlecht this week. And, um, but, you know, it was almost a brilliant comeback um, and certainly a game that I think will live long in the memory. I'd say even from a neutral's perspective, it was a cracking game to watch. Um, but again, refereeing standards, I mean, that goal by Michael Duffy, you know, what, 39 seconds in, if it stands, it's probably a very different game. Um, and how, you know, look back at the stills, I think there's, not alone is Dookie playing him on side, the man nearest to him, but there's probably three other defenders playing him on side. So an absolutely horrendous call, which, you know, cost a dog hundreds of thousands, probably cost players money in terms of bonuses, you know, cost fans memories. You know, we're used to probably poor refereeing standards in the league, but I mean, the other night he was pretty bad and, um, don't want to use referees as an excuse, but when you rule out perfectly legitimate goal, the four players were playing a man on side. It's just kind of, it's hard not to be a bit disappointed in it. Um, I know with, you know, with the link it, actually in the picture you sent, like, so again, I I think it was potentially harsh, but like you can't see the direct angle of it. Like it looks like, so this isn't me making excuses or in any way, shape or form, but I think that's one that is, Fifty fifty. I, I don't know when they they kind of they come and go. I'm very disappointed, but like it's hard on a still that, uh, you know, uh, taken from Twitter or screenshot of this. You know, it's uh, it's listen. I, I, I think the refereeing wasn't great anyway. Sorry, relevant. I, I I I take your point hundred percent, but also like I mean, you can read a lot in terms of player reaction, and none of the Vitesse players appealed for an offside. If you look yeah. at their reactions they thought they'd concede a legitimate, a legitimate goal. Mm. And I get the point with the still, but if you look back at the uh, the play, when Will Patching passes the ball, 
Michael Duffy's ahead of Dookie, mm. um, who ironically, uh, Vitesse uh, have an offer in a seat today of two million from Dynamo Zagreb. Um, but he's ahead of him. So regardless of the other players in the picture, he's ahead of him. And it's easy to see that when Will Patching passes the ball, Michael Duffy cannot be offside. If Michael Duffy had a square to someone else, yeah, leaves it open to that interpretation. But there was only one pass and one shot and a goal. So, uh, you know, for me, when you lack, lack the lack of uh, the referee, or sorry, the player reaction, I think tells you a lot. And even being there and, you know, pretty good view of it because it, it, it happened up the side of the, the side I'm sitting on, you know, me and others around me, it never dawned on me to look at the referee, the, the linesman's flag, because your initial instinct wasn't, um, oh, this could be off. It was, oh, what a goal, what a start. Mm-hmm. Um, and like to, to reverse that, I remember being in, in Sligo, open night of the season, and uh, we actually got away with one that night in a, in a league game where Sligo should have had a winner late on. And I remember that night saying, Oh, I think that's on. I think that's on. And and subsequently replays proved it was on. But I think your initial instinct on these things can be good. Um and certainly no one, and there was quite a lot when you not just media, but fans around us as well. I don't think anyone was looking at the referee's flag or the linesman's flag for for that. It just it wasn't tight for me, you know. Um but it was a it was a poor decision, and I think it comes down to maybe how UEFA do the look at the Europa League because, um, like, you can't, uh, sorry, Europa Conference League, you can't go down levels in terms of refereeing standards, but they're probably trying to use it as a breeding ground for young referees. And like any time you give a young player an opportunity, some will rise to the occasion. Mm. Others won't. And I think this referee, I thought, obviously the offside decision stands out, but I, th- I did think he was he was very poor throughout the 90 minutes, you know. Um, and look, we can talk about refereeing standards. I think it's a, it's a valuable debate because you, you go on to Derry then as well and, you know, very controversial penalty. Um, for me, um and I'm, I know I'm skipping ahead a little here, but the, you know, for me, a very harsh red or handball against Andy Boyle for. If that's happened against Dundalk, you're looking for. I'm sorry. I've seen, you're talking about stills. I've seen stills of that. And listen, I'm a Dundalk fan, but like when I, his hand is up. I don't, I, I, like, I don't know. No, I don't think it was. He's running back and it, it does strike his arm. And, and I did speak to Andy after the game and he admitted that, but it's at point blank range. Uh, there's two boys chasing a. A ball down a line. I don't see what he can do. Uh, like, there's but, no. But if it's happening intent. against us, we're genuinely turning around, gasping for it. So, as much as I don't want I, any of these things to go against us, but like I have to see you're probably, both sides of that. You're, you're, you're probably yeah, but you're probably appealing. But the rules have changed. So there was a point there a couple of seasons ago where ball hits hand, automatic penalty. And I think one of the most memorable of them, I think, was probably I think. Didn't Rashford get one very late against PSG in a Champions oh, League yeah, quarterfinal yeah, yeah, yeah. or something like that? But to change that then where it there, there, there should be intent. And I don't think there was intent there. Like his, his hand wasn't really in an unnatural position and that he was running back at the time. But aside from that, I thought Damien McGrath got the three big decisions wrong in the game because 
I mean, Daniel Lafferty absolutely hacks down Patrick McElhenney from behind. And, and in, in doing so, he pull, he pulls his hamstring and he's taken out of the game. Now, it was a dangerous tackle from behind. Was that even a card? No, it didn't even get booked. No, yeah, didn't even no, get booked. Disgrace, he, booked he booked Dan Cleary for his reaction to it. Uh, and then second half then, to like just to not be complete pro on dock, Alessio Abibi comes out and absolutely cleans Will Fitzgerald out of it. And he somehow gives a free to Abibi. It was um, a red card. That was a red card as well. Like, it it you know? was reckless. I mean, if you were that late with a tackle, you know, I've just said it, probably Lafferty. And like, to be fair, to just not have rose tinted glasses about this, the Lafferty one, uh, Liam Coyle was sitting beh- directly behind me and was working for BBC Foilside. Um, and uh, he even said straight red for Lafferty. No complaints. That's a dairy man true and true. Played with the club. Uh, supports the club, you know, a legend up in Derry. Um, so, and and by the way, this is the same Damien McGrath who, you know, sent Sonny Nadestad off for a tackle he won in the President's Cup. Now, you could maybe say there was dangerousness there mm-hmm. or whatever, but um, he actually won the ball that day and, and, and got sent off and then Lafferty gets nothing. And then to go back to a more recent incident, uh, Liam Scales basically jumps on Michael Duffy's but, uh, back in the box in Tala and he gives a free out against Duffy, you know. So this referee, for me, and I'm not just using it as an excuse, he probably, look, look, we can debate the penalty. Um, and Doc weren't great on Sunday. Probably didn't do it, actually didn't do enough to, to win the game. I didn't think they overly deserved to lose it either. But... The referee again has a big say, and I thought he was bad for both teams. And even little things throughout, like for me again, and again, these things are open to interpretation, but own toll takes Will Patching down in first half stoppage time. For me, it's a stonewall free kick. There you go up and hit the post. Um, now, so he kind of got away with that one. But again, it's a hugely controversial moment if they score. And like, look, that three points could be massive in terms of. Europe come the end of the season so um, and it's not just Dundalk by the way um, I mean I can go through other examples like I remember we played Bowes in, in, in Oriel earlier in the year and Rob Cornwell with the most blatant handball from you know I know we're debating the boil one but the boil one was a point blank range this one was maybe had the ball had travelled 15-20 yards um, and well, no penalty given that night so it's and it's not just on dog. I look across the league, and nearly every week, with in some match, we're talking about referees. And also, as you know, the the Maltese club is at Hibs, like making a yeah. a complaint about uh, Hennessy, and he's from Limerick. So, like, you, you know, like, so that's and this is a general probably refereeing discussion about the league, and it's obviously even brought into air refs within Europe now maybe that's our refs and I don't know is this a thing that the FAI need to get on get these guys extra funding training like I, I don't know their processes I don't know how their standards are in comparison to other leagues but if this is a thing that it's getting so bad that people kind of can be turned off the game which can happen like yeah. if you're just being yeah. robbed of something every week and even in Europe if, if like it's very rare that a club lodges an official complaint against a ref or something so yeah that brands Irish referees in a certain light. And I just think maybe that's something I don't have the answer to, but I think the FAI definitely need to look into that and maybe give these guys extra training or et cetera that's needed. Yeah. And, and look, that 
it ultimately comes down to, for me, there's, there's a complete lack of repercussions here. Like you even see with the, the Premier League and admittedly a vastly greater resource league, but if a referee makes a, an error, like a blatant bad call, um, he's generally not given the big game the following week. I yeah, mean, we don't have those numbers, like, though. We don't have those numbers. That is it. Yeah, but equally, well, look, you could argue that, but equally, like, I remember there was a really, really bad call last year. I can't remember the referee. You can't remember the decision. But I remember pointing out at the time that, you know, it was just blatantly a bad decision, like, clearly wrong. And the next week, there's a TV match on and he's given it. I mean, that's rewarding it. Like, there's absolutely no repercussion for bad decisions. I don't know what the assessors are looking at, to be honest with you, or if the reports are even considered, because like, I was even thinking about it earlier, and one of the, I, I was reading that report on Hibs and their complaint, I think the two or three officials sent off, and if you look around this league, like, it's almost a weekly occurrence with managers either being booked or sent off. And I watch a lot of football between you know, Premier League and Championship or whatever's on, if there's Bundesliga match on the TV, you'll stick it on. I've never seen a league where so many officials get sent off. And is it just that Irish managers are particularly passionate or something? I don't know. Because even you think back, we the Euros this summer. Was there a coach sent off? Well, Matt um, Bertram said it, that, the Waterford lad, in an interview, I think it was Alan Cawley, he was on and he was saying... He was like, I've never been carded or anything in my managerial yeah. career. And I, he's like, I think I've been sent off three times or something like that. And he's, how long yeah, is he even I, here? Like, <laughs> And I think Stephen O'Donnell's up on four this season. Um, <laughs> like, it, it, it's almost a running joke at this stage. But when we played in Bally Buffet earlier in the year, Ollie Horgan was suspended. When they came to Oriel, uh, his assistant, Paul Hegarty, was suspended. I, you know, <laughs> them boys are like, different gravy, though. They're different uh, gravy, though. They are. But, like, mm. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost... Uh, like, you just don't see it to that extent. Like, we had, uh, we played Pats there before the break, and David Murphy, our physio, got booked and subsequently suspended for coming on the field without permission. And you look at what happened, Pats, you know, in the same ground in Richmond there last week with Lee Desmond, and um, obviously I'm happy Lee Desmond's fine, and, and whatever incident that, I can't even remember what it was now, whatever incident David Murphy ran on for, uh, thankfully was nowhere near as serious but like I mean you look at other sports like the GA and stuff and maybe it's a bit too free for all but like the physios or whatever just run on Yeah, game could be going on or whatever and you know the immediate thought is with the player safety and yet you're booking and banning physios here like absolutely crazy stuff and I just think it's nowhere good, near good enough there's no uh, like I remember uh Dennis McCardle, um, be a brother of Jock's, uh, in you know, Jock's at a, a Jock at a store in the dock for many, many years. Like, then he was a referee in the league for, for years and years and years, was never allowed to say referee Dundalk. Uh, as a matter of fact, he was promised the 1993 FEI Cup final because he was due to retire. And he actually, because Dundalk made it against Shelburne, he didn't get the final and he refereed on for another year then to do the 94 final. Um, and now you look at it where it's not uncommon for, say, a Dublin referee to referee, say, a Dublin team against a team not from Dublin. Um, and you could argue that's a numbers thing. But then you look at 
it is know, dog play. And there's no, there's no yeah, path but, but, for referees. But, Nobody wants yeah, to be but a let referee. Yeah, but let me finish my point where, where, so, like, there's a few referees from Cork, I suppose, Graham Kelly being probably the most prominent of them. And when we were playing Cork on a regular basis in, you know, big league games and even FEI Cup finals, it was not. It wasn't a Cork referee doing it, um, which is fair. But then you go to 2019, and you have people like Rob Harvey getting the FEI Cup final, and he's a schoolmate of Ronan Finns. You know, they, they literally went to school together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in that, you know, I'm not saying that's connected with the fact he knows the Rovers captain, but in that game, Sean Murray gets cleaned out in the box, and we don't get a Stonewall penalty that he's standing four yards from. So that standard that used to be there, where if you had any connection to either team, uh, that seems to be gone. There doesn't seem to be any repercussions. And, you know, the reality is this could cost, you know, to talk with, with refereeing decisions this year, it's not beyond the realms of possibility to say they could easily be six, seven, eight points better off. Um possibly still in Europe and those sort of things can they can change seasons because you know after the Derry defeat we, we'd like to think we'll kick on from here but we are just above the relegation playoffs um, we are playing a local rival in a game that you know we can go level on points with Drogheda this weekend or equally we could be dropping places further down the table uh, depending on other results so like that if you were even six points better off, you have a much better chance to say getting Europe through the league than you have at the moment, which is looking, unfortunately, even though there's 42 points still to play for, increasingly unlikely. Yeah, but I, I think it's probably, a, I don't know if it's an opportunity to maybe get even a local ref on and discuss kind of the standards and what the paths are and stuff. But I do think it's a thing for the FAI, but it, it's certainly being acknowledged around the league when you just kind of look at different platforms or, or anything everybody's talking about the bad standards of refereeing and not just under the dock about the league and also now just seeing that thing about uh, Malta as well out there as well it just brings a dampener on it because as I said if you lose you lose but like you don't want to you just want to everything is fair and I definitely think the standard of refereeing is low but we are going to have to and stop there on the refs though but we, I just yeah but no back. I just want to say equally equally you don't want VAR here I don't think now the, the, we don't have the money we for that can't afford VAR yeah, but, we don't yeah, address rooms. But, but, but it's also one of the sort of selling points of uh, the league that it that it has that sort of like look human error happens don't get me wrong no one gets everything right all the time but it just seems like every week and I'm not just talking about the dog here it's across really? the board I guarantee yeah. you like we've a weekend the match is coming up and I guarantee you in at least one of them we'll be talking about a referee and it's like whereas you know for example and I didn't watch all the games or anything like that but the Premier League kicked off last weekend and I can't really remember a major refereeing controversy you know so it, it just seems like but they're higher standards and they're higher educated and higher paid you know and like a referee I don't know was it Howard Webb or somebody like they're full time, man. Even the lads in lower leagues are full time. Like I think Howard Webb was a cop or something like that. He was, and you know, like they're, they're, it is different. I I just think for us we need to focus on 
the FAI putting big money into refereeing. There's so many basic things. So, like, for example, the other day, and I, I, I was on air with Adrian Taff on LMF, and I'm like, I made the point to him. There was a point where uh, the dog got a free kick in, in the left-hand corner, and Alessio Bibi came out to take it. And I think three or four times the referee beckoned to him that he was taking it in the wrong place, and he was making oh, it further and further into the yeah, corner. Yeah, yeah. And I just turned around to Adrian and said, if only there was an assistant referee right beside him who could tell him, take it from here, mate. He mm. was standing two yards away from him and he's doing absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, and you just wonder, what are these lads doing? Like that's, you can go on about pain, you can go on about education and all. That's basic common sense. And I think it was nil-nil at the time, Um it was because it was the first half um, and it's wasting valuable time in a game. And like, I, I don't know, just it baffles me at times. And, and unfortunately, as I say, you know, the doc have probably paid to say these things, even themselves out and maybe to do. But I think the doc have paid a higher price, uh, certainly in recent weeks and this season uh, in terms of they've lost more than they've won. But it's every week, and I guarantee you, I'm not saying it'll happen in Dundalk and Drogheda, but um, there'll be a game this weekend that we're talking about referees, hundred percent. Yeah, and and I, I definitely don't agree with that, but I just hope kind of people within the FAI in the game and even the refs themselves kind of go looking for these things because you know I, I do have an element of sympathy for these guys. But anyway, again, uh, probably I say a discussion for another day because it definitely will be actually with the the way things are going, but. Uh, <laughs> The so positives and negatives of Tala anyway. Before we move on to, um, to the Derry game, but uh, positives for me, obviously Duffy was excellent, and again, I think in the middle, I think Stanton was brilliant, uh, sluggish, and negatives, Sonny and Abibi again. I, I I think it was the second goal, like Sonny was just standing awkwardly marking his man, gets nutmeg from about twenty yards, and the lads in and bang, and that's it. And the first goal possibly, ah. You know, harsh deflection, all this sort of stuff. But like, I think I thought Sonny was like, and even Vinny, although Dummigan actually did play very well. Actually, sorry, Dummigan's a player as well. I should have referenced played well, but he whipped Sonny to put Cameron Dummigan in the centre back. Like that shows you. I don't know what time that was at, Rob, but there was a long part period left. Like, and you know that showed the confidence that he had in there international centre back. You know that he was willing to just leave. Uh, now I know we kind of had to go for it and stuff, but like. He was awful. Like I, I just thought he was just not the standard that we need. And and again, I, I use that term weak links. And there, it's just the small margins. I think that nearly just let us down because I didn't think these. I thought they were good, but I didn't think they were mountains above us. And uh, I think kind of they were my kind of highs and lows anyway. Yeah, look, the the two lads in question. I think like I don't want to be too harsh on the meter, but like I remember look. Uh, looking at the Dundalk side that played Batty in 2015 when we lost 2-1 over there and then drew nil nil and Oriel went out. Um, and I remember saying that that year to myself, there's a couple of players here all right for the league, but not really up to going up the levels in the way that, I mean, for example, you referenced Duffy the other day, I think McElhenney in Europe, like they're players who go up a level when that sort of arena is put to them. And um, I remember thinking in 2015, Darren Meenan, 
who was a you know a pivotal member of the early sort of Kenny successes, um, he didn't have that next level in Europe. And nothing wrong with that. We all have a ceiling of some description. Um, and I think with these guys, they were certainly you know, over the two legs, you don't want to be too harsh because Sonny did some good stuff, particularly in the first leg and, and so did the BB. But I think, I mean, put it this way, and it's a nice way I can maybe put it, if you had Dane Massey playing centre half and Gary Rogers in goal, are you heading for Belgium this week? Probably. Mm. Um, and because, the, I mean, it was a really, really cheap goal, particularly over there, the... The, the appendix goal just in the 89th minute mm. um and yeah there were there were disappointing goals again a uh, bit of on a bit of misfortune about the first one to be fair with the deflection off Andy Boyle but I mean Sonny probably went to ground too too much and um maybe one of the silver linings to that was probably the performance of Dumagan I thought he was absolutely immense at the back um mm. obviously there was other good performance further up the field. Um but yeah, they like he was a real find. And I think again it's skipping ahead maybe slightly to, to Derry, but I thought Daniel Cleary was magnificent on on Sunday for a man who hadn't played in three months. He he was brilliant. So all of a sudden we maybe have a little bit more option there than than perhaps we thought. Um we we can get to the injuries in a in a, in a bit. But you know Final takeaway from that is like, you know, just such an agonizing miss for McMillan in the end with the ball in from Kelly. And I think had we got to extra time, for me, there was only one winner because we really had them on the ropes. And I kind of I kind of joked about it uh, at the game. Like I was saying that the, the tests are under that much pressure that Bazoor is actually playing at centre back, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, we really had them under the cosh. And I think, you know, had had that gone in, um I think Vitesse, to be fair, and, and the, their manager spoke to the media after the game. I think he knew they'd got away with one. I remember even the Yark, was it Yarkovska's header was like four yards out and it just came through. And he just literally, I think the keeper was on the ground at this stage. And now he did well to get it, but he just pumped it kind of downwards. And I was like, oh my God. Like it just wasn't for us, if you know what I mean. I, I think there was such great effort and, and such chances. We did make chances. It was good. Yeah, football, uh, look, like. their, their keeper, their keeper uh, made a few brilliant saves, to be fair to him. And I mean, that's the difference sometimes at this level. Even you, you go back to 2019 against Slovan Bratislava, like Dominic Grief was exceptional over the two legs. Um, and, you know, that is the sort of difference that, you know, we probably just lacked. I know Abibi, to be fair, did make a few saves in the first leg, but he's, he's, he has looked ropey at times. He, he has, like, there's no doubt he's come on from maybe the start of the season, but, I mean, without being harsh to the guy, would any other team in the league swap their number one from? I, I don't I, think I so. I suppose just to, to, to kind of go on that point as well, and I think we're going all over the place and things we're going to discuss tonight, but... Uh, Cameron Yates was announced obviously today. Like, is that do you think a a player for the future? Is this a guy that when international clearance comes through, that maybe he's going to be the next number one? Or like, have you heard anything in in regarding what maybe the expectations are? Or um, I can't imagine they're signing a guy um, this late in the season unless they're going to play him. Um, 
or at least have a look at him. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts against Stratton on Friday. Uh, and certainly in in recent, you know, leaving even Europe aside, recent league games, I think Abibi has been a bit reckless at times. I think, look, if you look at the penalty against Pats, to the incident with Will Fitzgerald and Derry, um, I just think it might be harsh to drop him, but I think if you're look like realistically, and look, I, I don't want to be on a constant BB bandwagon or anything like it, but if you're looking at areas where you can strengthen that team, goal has to be one of them. And uh, I unfortunately, I don't know enough about Cameron Yates to know how good or bad he is. He's only played, like literally, we, we kind of discussed him last week. He's only played a handful of adult senior matches, but I mean, he was at Leicester City for a long time. And um, I suppose you don't get there without maybe having something. Um, now, whether he's the answer for next season or beyond remains to be seen. But I think maybe you have to have a look at him at this stage and and, and give, him a, give him a run. And I think uh, it would probably be a help to the defence as well, because I still don't think at times they look... And they'll not look, the players will never say this, but I still think at times they don't have full confidence in a BB. Yeah. Um, because you go back to the Vitesse game and I that punch on five minutes where you know it was the easiest catch into the midriff, like me or you would have made it, and yeah. he punches it and nearly gives them a goal. I mean, there was a shot in the I think the first half on on Sunday in Derry, and I remember Andy Boyle nearly breaking his neck to get his head to it to block it because he probably didn't have the confidence to, you know, let the keeper deal with it. Um, and look, I suppose as a defender, it'd probably been overly harsh there. As a defender, you you probably should get your body in the way if you if you at all can. But um, yeah, I think Yates could be a, an interesting addition. Wouldn't wouldn't shock me if he if he plays on Friday. And you know, just to kind of keep on that thing we signed also Sammy Benamar uh, now I know what these are all kind of the you know most kind of hidden or unhidden rumours that everybody knows about but like again you know uh, uh, a forward player which is possibly kind of what we need and stuff and uh, you know it, it potentially could be could be a good sign and so again you know not to hammer the club about everything you know these are two new signings I know we'd probably like a Stanton or a Hoban or somebody like a current player to be signing the new deal. But I like, I think credit where it's due, there's two potentially decent lads going to sign up for the club today anyway. Yeah. Well, I suppose they're only till the end of the season. I mean, obviously to be options there for next season. And I suppose that's probably case to, you know, if, if they play well and that, um, I think the Ben Amar one, um, Again, hasn't played a lot of football. Like I mean, he's played in League One in France, but like you're talking only a handful of appearances. Um, so there's obviously something there at one point or another. But like, you know, without naming people, I think players with bigger CVs have probably signed with Dundalk in recent times and maybe not done it. So it remains to be seen. I think look, we did ask uh, Vinny about him last week around the Vitesse game, and he kind of said he hasn't had a great look at them because they've been in and out of the country a lot. They haven't done that sort of regular training session at uh, Oriel Park that you would do, you know, week to week normally because I suppose they've been training in Tala, they've been in Holland, they've been to Tallinn, you know. Um, there hasn't been as much activity around Oriel Park necessarily. And he probably is a bit of a gamble at this stage, but 
probably one they need to take too because you look at the, I mean, you look at the the, the injury situation. Um, it's not it's not good. Um, I mean, you know, you potentially have. I mean, between Leahy, McElhenney, Kelly, McMillan, you know, add Gartland to that, all out for 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 Friday. And like, I was just looking at this today. Um, like before, you know, before the two lads signed, and granted, one of them's a keeper, but like, I was just saying to myself, like, you're probably looking at something along the lines of your bench being Peter Cherry, Val uh, Adedekun. Uh, Sonny Nadestad, Ryan O'Kane, Wilfred Zahibo, Han, Mark Hanradi, and probably one or two youngsters, maybe Mayoa uh, might get on there or someone. Um, you're kind of looking at that as your bench for Friday. And if I'm Vinnie Peart looking behind me, I'm probably saying to myself, who's the game changer here if I need, um, you know, from 1-0 down or it's 0-0 with half an hour to go, who, who am I turning to? to to, to win me this game or draw me this game or whatever. Um, you know, there's not a lot of options there and I don't think a lot of trust there in many of them. And I think this comes down to the, look, I don't want to be beaten on about peak six every week, but I mean, some of the recruitment decisions have been baffling because like, I mean, I just, I just look back at it today and like our bench for the first home match after Europe in 2019 to only go back two years ago, the bench that day when we played Finn Harps was McCary, Mountney, McGrath, Hoban, Gannon, Cleary, and Boyle. I mean, mm. tons of options there. Tons of options. And I know we've injuries now, but in that, like, you know, also missing from that sort of match day 18 for be it injury or other reasons was the likes of Jordan Flores, Robbie Benson, Stephen Folan, Dean Jarvis. So, it just goes to show how, how much the uh, the squad has been weakened. And even from a pure body's perspective, like, I mean, obviously Matskogan's left this week as well. And, uh, you know, we've obviously lost Chris Shields in the window. Like, so it's, it's probably as weak a squad as there's been since possibly maybe even 2014, uh, maybe even 2013. You didn't um, mention Tanner. Yeah, but like you get that, and it just it, look it, it raises the baffling element. Like, I mean, I was just thinking about I like I, I actually made notes of this today because I was just looking. So in the last sort of twelve months, you've had Dane Lind at the club for a period of time, zero minutes. Tanner Dogan, zero minutes. Herman Giamatti, zero minutes. Tariq Mohammed, zero minutes. Here's <laughs> uh, Perez, forty-seven minutes. Josh Gatt, one hundred and thirty-four minutes. Right, and then you go up a wee bit, Metzgogan, 501 minutes and one goal. Han, 516 minutes and a goal. Junior, 526 minutes and two goals. Uh, even Nate Nottawa, 634 minutes and two goals. Sahibo, 695 minutes. And like Sahibo played more than any of them in terms of minutes. It, it, it equates to about eight matches. And you, you go through that list and there's, there's what? There's a team there in itself. And that's without even going into, you know, others who maybe played more and you can question whether they were good signings or not. But these guys, I mean, a complete, you'd have to say to a man, complete waste of 
uh, money, monetary money. investment. Yeah, yeah like, yeah, and yeah, I, and I don't like to bang on about money, but like, you know, no manager, no team, no club gets every signing correct. But you're kind of looking and saying, you know, where's where's the good ones been? Who do you um, think have been the good ones? I think Sam Stanton has been probably the outstanding signing. Um, he's really kicked on, and I think, and not just speaking for myself here, but I think most Dundalk fans would be happy if he was one of the players held on for next season. Um, Yarkovskis to a point, but I don't think he's probably kicked on to the to the way, you know, we were really excited about him in preseason. He looked. I'm not saying he's been bad, but he looked better in preseason than he's probably been since in terms of, I think there's been a lot of sort of six out of 10 performances from him. Um, now you could say there's been a lot of six out of 10 performances across the board, but I, I, I think he was the one we had a lot of hope for. Um, but again, look, he's a, he's a guy don't like using the word foreign, but he's coming in from abroad and there's probably a period of, settlement and you know maybe he would be one of those who'd kick on next year but like I mean to go through that list I mentioned and and maybe it was yeah maybe a few probably don't deserve to be there maybe it's a bit harsh on someone like a do or someone because he you know he did actually have a really good game against Rapid Vienna in Europe to be fair to him but um I mean these guys to you know I'm probably even missing a few of the the lads who played no minutes that were knocking around the club, getting wages and getting put up by the club. But just baffling stuff that, like, you know, nothing against Tanner Dogan. He's now gone to forward Madison as well during the week, along with Perez. But, like, I mean, the very fact that these two lads were at the club at the start of 2020 (laughs) and we brought them back in 21, you know, that was because it loaned it. Like, uh, well, that was this year with 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 Tanner. But like again, with all due respect, how can you possibly get in a Dundalk team if you can't get in a loan team? And and they, like they, this isn't the players' fault, but like I just don't understand the strategy at all. It's and and that's something that needs to change. Like we're talking about the future and you know where we go from here. You know. Bill or whoever, like, stop trying to find the next Jamie Vardy. Stop trying mm. to find the next N'Golo Kante. I mean, every club in the world is looking for them. Um, we, we also have a lot of talent not... within this league. Like, like I, like, I grew up, I suppose, next to Bowes. Now they were they, they were different times, but like, everybody kind of rattles on about the kind of Bowes now, and it, it's kind of a frustrating thing for me. But that's probably a, a different thing because I don't always think to have supporters just run the club as the best solution either i think it has a ceiling on it as well in regard to success but i do think us having owners with a big wedge in their pocket can help us and i think if we got recruitment done right then it could be done that we'd have like we've nothing well i suppose we kind of do with young know, kane and val kind of coming through as well but like the reference I'm sorry going on about Bose is that like they've their thing with Kevin's. And so when their team was literally pulled apart there, like last year, or the year before they have lads coming through. We don't have any of that. And that is their model. I will give credit to that, but that's, 
we don't have that. So I know we actually did make an announcement about some academy or something like that this week and stuff. So and I know Steve McDonald's doing that. So maybe that needs time and I, I'll accept that. But there's nothing coming true, no Dundalk players. And then also, you know, there's the good players in the league that like we we should be looking at. Like and I know see they when I've been chatting to people as well about the, the James Talbot thing always comes up in conversation. People can't understand it. But in Bill's defense, he backed his manager who said, I want this guy. So we, me and you both know Talbot's a good keeper. Is had yeah, in relation league. to in relation to the goalkeeper situation, yes. And and look, I've said before, like I don't think there's a maliciousness in Bill. He thinks he's helping. Mm. Um, and he, but he, he did, did back, back his manager there. He yeah. he did he did. But but it's it's the other things that like, I mean, there's half a dozen there that neither Pert nor Giovagnoli wanted. Um. And yet they were at the club. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Yeah. And you know, there's several more that really just were never probably going to make the level. Um and look, you can do too much. I don't want to sign an, an anti foreigner. I think you can supplement it, but you can do too much too soon. And yeah, you know, the, the history of foreign players coming into this league is that there are very few who've ever hit the ground running. You know, um, and we were asking maybe seven or eight or nine to do it at the one season and the one team, you know, in the middle of a pandemic. Mm. Um, you know, because to be fair, it is difficult for these lads. They're, you know, they're away from home. They can't, you know, up until recently, but like they, they basically like they can't even go for a meal in a restaurant. Um, you know, I actually seen Han today. He had it on his Instagram story. He 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 got the second vaccination so maybe he can now but like yeah the, um like but it is it's it's it, it there is difficulties with it and that's not the player's fault but like again it comes back to how you you, you know you you treat these guys too in terms of like again with all due respect like des Dunleavy does fantastic work for these guys in terms of looking after them and stuff but like you know your best friend when you come to a country shouldn't be you know, a, a retired bank manager either. Like, and that's nothing against days. Like you, you need to be. And, you know, I was actually talking to someone today, but this, like, again, the, the senior players, and again, COVID doesn't help this, but like a lot of the senior players have sort of, you know, when they joined the, the, t- the club, there were young men and, and et cetera. And a lot of them now are in, be it relationships or have kids or, you know, things like that. So like, like any of us in terms of when you finish your day's work, you're getting home to the family or something. So, you know, it's, there's probably not that togetherness off the field that, you know, which is understandable. Like no one's asking you to hang out for three hours with, with your teammates after training or anything, but you know, it, all they sort of have is each other. Um, You know, they're, you know, they, they have, like a lot of these guys haven't even played against in front of a proper crowd yeah. uh, in Oriel Park. Um, so th- there's all those sorts of difficulties. But and I think the club should have more of a duty of care for them as well. Like I'm not saying any of them have gone into any particular trouble or anything, but like you're bringing over in some of those cases very young guys from, you know, literally moving continents and, you know, no hope of realistically ever getting into the team. Mm. Um, you know and and I go back to something I said earlier, like about the, the Vitesse game. You know, if in Tala the other night, it's Dane Massey at centre half and 
Gary Rogers and goal, are you heading for Anderlecht right now? I know that's if spots and maybes, but you'd have to say you might have a better chance. Um, and like from a business point of view, you weren't paying accommodation for them players either. So mm. this is something like that. And I'm not saying this to have a go with a BB or Nadestad or anything like that. Um, I just mean from a business point, if we're talking about next season and all these things are up for grabs at the moment. You know, that needs to be factored in too, because it's all very well in saying, oh, we'd go to the Faroe Islands again, or we'll go to Latvia or whatever. And I'm not saying don't do those things, but, you know, the right back down the road in Drogheda, you know, might be a cheaper, you know, in terms of wages and, and happy to be living with his folks or something, you know, like, you know, there, there's been a lot of wastage. Um, and again, these things probably aren't as bad if they, if they work out. Like, I mean, look at this stage, I think like the, the lack of selection for Sahibo in recent matches, including league matches kind of sums up where he is. Mm. Um, but I think on paper that looked a good one in terms of, you know, you say to me, we've an international midfielder signing who's a former MLS all-star played with Valencia under Gary Neville. And you're thinking, oh, this guy will be quality. Hasn't quite worked out that way. Um, but I mean, too many of them were just off the wall stuff like, um, and, you know, praying for almost miracles with players because yeah, it is a fantastic story about Vardy and Kante and all these sort of guys that came from relatively obscurity to have great careers. But um, yeah, I don't think Amherst university is really where people go to look for that sort of thing either. But I think with that as well, like, uh, you know, we've probably gone a bit off topic, but like just with, with our recruitment to go back to that like number one what has to happen and and, and i've sympathy for the players and potentially Vinny. like i remember i was chatting to somebody the other day that says like so um you said dan cleary's playing class uh, dan right this is Vinny. I'm, I'm talking about right dan are you signing up for next year which i give you a deal and he's looking going are you here next year Vinny? like 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 and that and this yeah. the, it's the uncertainty about all so like if Peak Six yeah. start signing up, and as you said, announce a good news story. Vinnie Pert gets new two-year deal. Great. So there's a bit of stability there. People know who they'll be playing for. And that can be good and bad. So for argument's sake, if there's a player in there that doesn't get on with Vinnie, then he knows, right, maybe I'll move on. And that's okay as well. But if the guys that do want to play for him, and obviously you can see a lot do, you know, if, if Vinnie's uncertain, how do you go to a guy like Dan Cleary, who they're will definitely be suitors after like so and if not yeah. already you know how do you go to him and say oh man here we'll give you a two-year deal and everything is just up in the air so i think with recruitment we definitely need to work on higher level recruitment and, and recruitment that fits not just as you say throwing stuff together and hoping it fits but identifying targets that will literally bring the team on but also I think what's key is, is sorting out the security of the management and the management team, by the way, I think Vinny deserves a, an assistant manager and a proper coach and et cetera, et cetera. And then take it from there and then start lashing out player by player by player that wants to stay and build for next year. Like there's, we're probably at the lowest level, probably other clubs lower than Dundalk in that sense. But like you, you look at, you know, and, and I wouldn't have any of these facts or figures off my hand, but if I look at, 
Bowes or Sligo or Rovers. I'm sure they have a good few guys on two-year deals on this and that that are already contracted and they're they're in a building process or trying to build consistency. Whereas again, I don't know where we're going to go if we don't have a manager properly announced on a new deal that how we can actually sign our regulars, which is what I think after Duffy's performance, after, you know, obviously we've lost McElhenney, we've lost Shields, you know, we've lost stalwarts, not only the kind of the lower level lads. And I think, I don't know, it just, it baffles me. Like if I'm Pat Hoban, like, and I see all this uncertainty, I see why he would want out. And I'm not saying he does, but like if he did or Macmillan or, Stanton or all these guys, I see why they want to because it is it's, it's uncertainty, and I, I think if if we can just sort that out, so sort everything else from within, then that's half the battle for us, and then we can start building consistency. But until then, I won't be shocked to see a lot more lost. Well, like I'm just going to use them as, as an example because I was there on Sunday, but in Derry, like they were handing out three and a half year deals, um, you know, tying down players, you know attracting players and players want to play with good players too um, in terms of so listen I'm not saying they're joined at the hip and one dictates the other but like obviously someone like Michael Duffy and Patrick McElhenney are close uh, on and off the field so does McElhenney leaving have an impact on Duffy and his decision for next year there's no doubt Derry are going to be interested it's whether you know, he wants to go to Derry, I suppose, stay in Dundalk or even look abroad because, you know, even his performance against Vitesse last week, um, like I'm laughing at, at the, the offer from Zagreb for Dookie today. Like, Duffy absolutely tore him apart the other night. Tore him but apart. Who's not to say that, like, Duffy's not being looked at? Do you know what well, I mean? Like, that's what I'm saying. But like in the way that like I'll watch Shamrock Rovers this week because they're an Irish club in Europe. Um, and I'm sure other Dutch clubs look at Vitesse in Europe. And if I was looking at that game, and bear in mind, Vitesse were the fourth best team in their Eredivisie last year. So they're one of the better sides in the league. So if I'm even a mid-table team in Holland looking at that saying, this guy's absolutely tearing these lads apart. What's his contract situation? Oh, he's unavailable and free. Yeah. And listen, maybe Michael Duffy has no interest in going to Holland, but I would be, you know, I think someone's missing a trick if they don't at least look at it. Um, but anyway, that's a separate argument. I'm not trying to pitch Michael Duffy with a move away, but <laughs> like going back to your original point, I suppose that like, I think the big thing here is, yeah, who's the manager? Because, I mean, will like I think the first question I'm going to have is if I'm a player is well who's going to be my boss next year, um, and likewise for new signings as well, they'll want to know the ambition of the club because, like I mean even Vinny like, like Vinny came out with a comment after the Vitesse game basically saying that you know he loves managing at this level i.e. Europe and with all due respect to Dundalk like depending on the budget for next year and I'm here it's going to be towards the top end as opposed to the bottom end but if we end up with a Finn Harp style budget then bye bye Europe outside of America like but you're 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 basically your your goal is to stay up next year 
you know, your budget will dictate where you are as a club. Um, and I think, you know, as much as like, I mean, players have ambitions and I'm not saying this is his thoughts at all, but if a Dave McMillan turn around next year, if Dundalk aren't in Europe and says, look, Vinny, with all due respect, I'm, I'm 33 years of age. Uh, I probably have one or two years left. I want to break or equal the Roy and Robbie Keane's mm. goal record. I want to be in Europe next year. Um, sorry, I'm away to Sligo Rovers or whoever. Um, we don't. We obviously don't know who's in Europe at the moment. But like, if uh, what I'm saying is, you couldn't blame someone for having that ambition. It happens in. I mean, why did that? Yes, money's a factor too. Like, why did Jack Grealish go from Villa to Man City? It's the challenge for honors. It's to play in Europe. It's to win a Champions League. It's you see Harry Kane at the moment and speculation around him. It happens at every level, and and the managers in the same boat there because. I've no doubt Vinnie Perth wants to manage at as high a level as possible. And that's why these questions that are out there need, need to be answered. And I think it does start with the, with the head coach. So firstly, is Vinnie staying? And if he isn't, who is going to be in charge? And then, yeah, by all means, start signing up players. And I do believe tentative talks have started, but in terms of Vinnie, who I think it needs to start with him or at least roughly be there thereabouts, he needs to, you know, be tied down or whatever decision it is there too, because I mean that that you you go from there, you you build off the block of a manager, effectively, um, and certainly whoever is in that hot seat next year, I mean we're presuming it's going to be Vinny, but they need to be left in charge of the recruitment, or maybe like maybe Jim Magilton as I say as well, but in terms of whatever they have been doing to recruit players up to now needs to change needs to change i mean mm. this crack of like i think it's just looking a free agent list sometimes and saying oh he's, he looks good we'll give him a go um like it is very much like championship manager football manager stuff and it's not a formula for success um <laughs> like and 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 the results of sort of borne that out but I mean and you see the issue you have now too I mean like we've seen admittedly a fairly surreal situation in, in Derry on Sunday where you, you lose three players to injury into one game if I'm not committed to a cause for next year and maybe I'm eyeing up a move elsewhere am I going to risk injury am I going to um, do I really care if Dundalk at Europe next year if I'm not going to be here I mean these are all uh, I'm not saying every player is of that mindset, but if even two or three, you 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 know, you potentially have an issue. And that's why, like, I think Friday is a huge, huge game for the club too, because, and I hope this doesn't happen, um, but these players basically turned it on for Europe last year as well. They turned it on for the cup, but they didn't try a jot. And I know there's slight different personnel. Their league form was atrocious. And, like, I mean, I'm not like I, I was just looking at the other day. Like Vinnie Pearce played seven matches now in the league. He has 10 points. In Filippo's first seven matches, he had 11. And in Jim's first seven matches, he had 12. So, as much as, and I'm not saying, by the way, that Vinnie Pearce is in any way doing a worse job than them. I don't think he is. I mean, I think he's done a, a brilliant job since he's come in, you know, to a point up until now. Um, but, 
the league form again has slowly been slipping. Now I know that's around Europe, but so was Filippo's last year too. And he's very like, we won't pick holes over a point, but this is the challenge for the players. I'm not putting on Vinnie Perth, but the players need now to need now to stand up. As I said, there are 42 points still to play for um, a local derby against the draw, the team that I think are four defeats on the bounce or something like that's a game you need to win. It really is. Um, and they need to show a bit of commitment too, because, you know, I don't want to be calling players out, but I mean, for a long time now, the league the league displays just simply haven't been good enough. They've shown the capacity to really raise it when it comes to Europe. Uh, they've shown the capacity to raise it for one-off matches and likes the cup last year. But you don't want players who are just going to play when it suits them when maybe there's a gain there financially or otherwise. You want players who are committed and going to give you at least 7 out of 10 every week. And But it is funny. That kind of I'm, works both ways in in the sen- in that sense. As in they, they want to see commitment to them. And, and this is nothing about any of the guys that are on big money or small money. But, I mean, you have to run a business. And, and it is a business at the end of the day. Yeah, and, and look and, after and, your and, staff and, right, and employees. And, and rightly enough, that is, like, I'm not, you know, I've already mentioned Peak Six need to do something about this and 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 perhaps starting with the manager. I know I had me say on Vinnie Perth last week and people think it's a personal thing. It really isn't. I like they seem to ignore the fact I said I'd give him a deal. Um, you know, it and I think that's where it needs to start. It it's it, it's at a level now where we need to start tying down players because everyone else, every other club is doing it. Every other club is in talks for next year. You see with Derry, they've already signed the likes of McElhenney. There's probably tons of other deals done in the background for players. I'm sure the recruitment has already begun in terms of managers thinking of different, different options for next year, that sort of thing. So we can't be left behind on this. And, Yes, there's a rebuild job here. Yes, maybe we need to accept the fact that we're probably not going to be title challengers next year, regardless, because, you know, Shamrock Rovers are coming from a position of real strength here and possibly going to get stronger if they, you know, qualify for the Europa Conference League and the financial benefits that that brings. But a rebuild job gets harder with every sort of... Michael Duffy, Daniel Cleary, you know, that sort of level of player that you lose. Um, because, yeah, look, them guys have had their off days too, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, I think on their day, they're as good as anything in this league. And, you know, tying them down, you have a basis there and then you add to it and, and all that. But they need to show some ambition here. I mean, the silence is is absolutely deafening. Fans are you know, really annoyed. Like and and you know, if they if they start and like look we're I know we're still in August, but like if they start over the coming months trying to sell season tickets for next year and you know they're normally a good Christmas present and that it's really not you know it's not a it's not a sort of a must buy like it used to be because I mean Fans are really annoyed. Uh, they don't know where the strategy of the club is going. Um, and again, I just think I don't expect a statement from Peak Six saying, "Oh, we're doing X, Y, and Z." But even 
an announcement that X, Y, and Z are staying for next year, or even if it's just Vinnie Pert staying for next year, it's a start. It's something. It's we at least have a manager, you know, because um, as I say, it's going to be very hard to make players stay and very hard to attract players to a club when you don't know who's in charge. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I think ultimately, you know, people are are sick of the, the silence. I, I think you're, you're dead right in the sense that, you know, this also, all this aggro and stuff, and, and listen, me and you and, and probably everybody else in this town are like diehard fans that just genuinely want the best for Dundalk and, and, and kind of want things to progress. And, and I, I think you made a very fair point. I don't know if it was on this or, or earlier that all this could be sorted in a day. Like as in if the club start releasing stuff or doing their business well, the, the, it's not that there's no hope for P6 or, or this is all a disaster and la la la. Sort a bit of recruitment out. Be more communicative with your fans. And like, I think people would appreciate that. Like even there was protests and stuff a few months ago and stuff like that. And then Vinny comes in and there's been nothing. Like people aren't up in arms necessarily, but now we're now it's kind of, Europe has taken a bit of a, a shine off that kind of stuff. The fact that things maybe haven't been ran well behind the scenes because we were all in, you know, oh my God, are we going to get to Belgium? But I think now that we're back in reality, we're back worrying, are we going to get Europe? Or are we going to do this, this and this? And I think it's very simple. Just be more kind of open with the fans. with the, like, And they are important. Maybe the Americans don't think that. I don't know. But somebody needs to tell them that this is all the fans want. And then build their club again. Like, let us rebuild. And if you don't want to be here, don't be here. But let the fans know the situation. That's all I'm hearing. The people, the silence is deafening, as you said. And I think once a few statements on anything comes out, let people decide from there. Yeah. And I go back to last Thursday. I mean, that was, you know, I, I, I don't like these moral victories or whatever, but you couldn't, be critical of the team as a whole last week. You couldn't be critical of the management. You couldn't be, I mean, it was a pleasure to be there for a game like that. That that performance in the second half was fantastic and it did deserve more than it got. And look, it was probably tougher to take when you look at the likes of the still from the offside afterwards and all that. But it was, you know, there was a real pride and a pride that, look, I'm from Dundalk and I'm a Dundalk supporter and all that goes with it. And that's what Europe brings, that bit of something special. And I, I talked last week about, uh, you know, even meeting, I know it wasn't like the European trips of old, but even seeing a few fans again in a in a foreign land, you know, on, a, on an away trip in Europe, special, special times. And if that's the end for now, when you look at, like, these players have built up great European experience, even... Someone like Greg Sloggett, who's a young young lad, really. Um, like I think the other night against Vitesse was his tenth European start of his career. Like, you know, there's players of a high, a higher level than Greg, and that's not nothing against Greg. That you know will never get to that level, and here he is, like you know, playing his tenth, you know, starting his tenth game, and you've actually played more than that when you factor in sub appearances. But like that's they've built up this experience, they've built this coefficient up that. Yeah, the Champions route is still the way to go. And I think the, the Rover sort of draw experience this year shows that. But it it at least gets you probably favourable draws in two rounds in Europe. Whereas 
to be fair, Bowes probably had to pull off the more difficult result in terms of the second round because they were unseeded and, and you know, f- fair play to them for doing it. But it does. It we, we, We've spent so long building this up and Europe is amazing. And you're just thinking, is this it now? Is this it? Because there's a real fear. And look, we could, hopefully we're sitting here in a few months' time reflecting on an FEI Cup win or, you know, maybe we go and take 38 of the next 42 points available in the league. I don't know. But at the moment, it's hard to be optimistic that we'll be looking at places like Brussels or Netherlands or wherever next year, uh, you know, unless we're following another club around Europe. Um, And that's the concern. And as I say, with these players, it becomes harder to attract them. It becomes harder to, uh, you know, keep them. And even, like I say, why shouldn't Vinnie Pert have the ambition of anyone else? Why shouldn't he want to manage in Europe um, or whoever's at the club? And that's kind of the danger that we're at that sort of crossroads now. And last week when I was, I think people, some people, not all, but some people took it as a sort of rant against Vinnie Pert. It wasn't, but I was sort of saying he's defending the people who can, I suppose, answer all these things. Because, for example, and I don't expect it, but if tomorrow morning there's a statement from Peak Six saying, Vinnie Pert signed a new contract to the club, we've appointed X as his assistant, and we've tied down these three players for next season. Um, we feel this is a, a statement that we want to be back challenging for the title next year and competing for Europe. I think everyone gets a lift. Doesn't. Wipe under the carpet. (laughs) Yeah, no, but it doesn't. It doesn't wipe under the carpet some of the mistakes. It doesn't, you know, erase the fact that so many horrendous decisions have been made off the field in the last sort of two, three years. Um, But it would give everyone a lift. And you know, I I did sort of reference that last week. But again, going into a local derby, we're going to have five hundred fans back. It gives everyone a lift. It gives. You know, if I've if I'm a player and I just signed a new contract and imagine I'm buzzing, um, you know, and again, players hear this stuff too, and and look, it's not good for them to the uncertainty. You know, it it really isn't, um, and yeah, look, maybe it's the likes of me and you and others that sort of spreads it a little bit, but I mean, we can only reflect the views of the majority and the vast majority of people are really annoyed about the fact that there's no clarity on the direction of the club. And I think that's, you know, there's obviously things that as supporters you're not entitled to know, but I think what the aim is, who the manager is, I think they're fair questions uh, or who the manager is going to be. Um, And the longer this goes on, because even, you know, we're recording this on Tuesday night, um, Vinnie Pearce, to the best of my knowledge, sitting here today, has not signed a contract for next season. So, um, therefore, we are already behind the likes of, say, a Derry City, who have a manager in place for next year, who already has signings in place. So, you know, there's where time is of the essence, you know, and I think decisions need to be made 
and fast. And I don't think we can dilly dally on this because that's one thing from last year that you say, you know, for example, Sean Gannon had the offer gone to Sean Gannon earlier, would he still be a Dundalk player? Like you never know with any great certainty, but you have a better chance of keeping people. Um, I, I said last year that the time, in my opinion, to that a lot of this should have been done was after the beat Claxvik to qualify for the Europa League because everyone was buzzing at that stage. You're looking forward to group stages and, yeah, look, the league wasn't great, but you're still in the FEI Cup. You're about to play Arsenal in the Europa League, you know, um, strike while Aaron's hot is, is probably just the, the saying I'm looking for. But they need to do this now because there is a bit of a, you know, look, unfortunately, we've lost the last two games. I don't think anyone's crying blue murder over because it did come around Europe. And look, even the best clubs in the world have bad results around Europe. But on the whole, the last sort of month or two has been very positive. You know, it's been probably the shining light in a bleak year. And I think now's the time to sort of build on that as well, because again, you're looking at that Vitesse game the other day and you're saying, if I'm a player, why wouldn't I want to be part of that next year? Um, yeah. And no, 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 we no. could, we, we can maybe, we can maybe deal with a year away from Europe, you know, but it would be great to see that there's a plan there to get back to it. No, I, I, I completely agree with all. And I think, you know, we'll, wrap up this week's show kind of on that basis that like I think it's time for kind of the owners of the club to maybe reach out to a few of these players give the security give the security to the manager to the fans and kind of get the show on the road again because as I said we're all excited and we all we all just want this good news but I do think ultimately it's uh it's up to peak six and kind of the ball's in their court and and I just hope that they don't mess it up up to be honest but equally, even if it's bad news, I mean, I think people would like to, you know, give us the hard medicine, you know, yeah. like um, we're all talking about like, I, and I don't think it's going to be bad. Well, depending on where you sit in terms of peak six, but like from what I'm hearing, tentative talks have begun with players, um, you know, and as I said, I think the budget's probably going to be obviously reduced, but certainly good enough for Dundalk to compete for Europe next year. Um, but again, until it's in black and white, you know, that's not good enough for fans. You know, like it's, it's a bit like the, the, you know, all these stadium plans and stuff like that and stadium groups and you name it. I mean, until people are walking up to a, a revamped place, like it's like talk is cheap. Um, but yeah, look, me, you, and others like us, we like. I mean, we can't be much clearer. I think in terms of our viewpoint, and I, I think, yeah, you know, I don't like to say I speak for the majority ninety percent of the time, but I think in this, I think we do. I think everyone just wants an answer of some description. And, and like, even there's people off the field in Oriel. This is their livelihoods. This is their jobs. Like, I mean, you know. 90% of that that team at the moment, if Dundalk FC didn't exist in the morning, they'll find clubs elsewhere. Mm. Like they'll work on. But like I mean, there's there's people's employment on this too. And um, you know, I think one thing that you know probably annoys people at, at times is the interest around the club, but the interest around the club is brilliant as well. And if it's harnessed, because you know, 
things like Champions League back nights back now, like you know, I remember a time where you know there used to be promotions that would get you up there to watch games midweek and 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 different things, and they're simple things, but they you know make it a place that and again we're repeating ourselves here, but like make it a place that people want to go more than you know once a fortnight or whatever, um, and like that's a challenge too, but I mean embrace all these things and like you could potentially come out with a better club because I think the mistakes have been seen uh, and sometimes you have to make a mistake to get on the right path and I think the, the best we can hope for now is that, that that's what that leads to from here Absolutely, well that's that for this week, thanks again for joining us on the Pressbox, listening in and don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at Pressbox.doc or you can drop us an email if there's something you'd like to discuss at info at Pressbox.ie The podcast is available on all major podcast apps and you can find a link to all of them on the website Pressbox.ie I've been Craig Colgan with James Rogers Thanks a million for listening Look out the stars turning Look out the stars turning